We're digging deep into the mining industry on this energy edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Thursday, October 1st, 2015, and joining me today are the indispensable Tyler Crow and Taylor Muckerman. Gentlemen, how's it going? We're not myths or legends anymore. Yeah. We're indispensable. Indispensable. Today. <laughs> um, a lot of descriptive ads. That, that jersey's indispensable, too. It is, yeah. It's Benfica. <laughs> they won their championship league game yesterday against Sweet. Atletico Madrid. You're representing? I am. Cool. I would have worn it yesterday, but I had to wear my Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals. Win oh, 100 yesterday, I think. They did, guys. yeah, and they clinched the division big time. Looking good. Best team in the league. Oh, my God. <laughs> Taylor's having the best sports week ever. Best sports week ever. Panthers are three and zero. Benfica's two and zero, uh, and Cardinals are home field. How's your fantasy team NL. doing? Out of curiosity, uh, Fool Fantasy is three and zero, uh, and my other friends' league is three and zero as well. Cool. All yeah. right, so this, boy, you're like winning all around. Here. <laughs> it's the like, wagons, boys. Jeez. All right. <laughs> Second half probably not going to be so rosy. As don't, long as the Cardinals win the World Series, I can go over for the next month. Or don't two. jinx yourself. <laughs> We've got a, a bunch to talk about today, including more divestitures and, and the merger between Baker Hughes and Halliburton, and Alcoa splitting into two separate companies. But first, as part of our Woes in the Mining Industry segment, Glencore is looking to make some asset sales. Tyler, are you interested in doing a little shopping for some cheap mining assets? Um, right now, probably not. Buy at the bottom, but, Tyler. But here's the thing. So, <laughs> y- when you say that to me as an individual investor, I have to be looking at the companies that well, I yeah, would be buying. But, yeah. um, or you it, could just go raise $400 million and, yeah, you know. Just, yeah. just out of nowhere. So, what's going on is Glencore, as everyone has seen in the market as of late, has been the poster child of the troubles of the mining is- industry. Stock's uh, down by 60-some-odd percent. More than that. Me. I believe yeah. it's like down 70-something for the year. Um, they have so far slashed its dividend, made some major capital expenditure cuts. They're looking to basically cut their net debt rate by about $10 billion in, in this, I believe, in the next 12 months in a way of shoring up the balance sheet. Um, and one of the ways that they're looking to get there, about half of it can be done with that uh, no sales. dividend. Yeah. And oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So without the dividend and with some capital expenditures, they can get about five billion dollars there. They need to get the other five through asset sales. Here's the problem with selling assets in the commodity At the space: bottom. they are <laughs> quite possibly the least valuable they have been in the past seven to ten years. Yeah. And this has been this is something that you see across mining and all of these other materials and anything that is a cyclical industry. You see these companies buy at the top at their just absolute peak of uh, pricing and then are stuck with them down here and then trying to sell. I mean, Glencore bought Extrata back in 2013 at a pretty frothy price. And I think another great example is Cliffs Natural Resources, 2011. Womp, Yeah, they bought um, Consolidated Thompson for $5 billion in 2011. It's all it gone. It was the Correct absolute peak. Yes, it's all it's, gone. It's like... all gone. <laughs> Every every five billion dollars of that, and every asset they have had, they bought as part of the consolidated Thompson deal, they've looked you got to divest. That huge it from. Uh, project they have up in Canada, Stop divested, me. gone. Just everything that they bought from consolidated Thompson, gone. Oh God. Anyway, and, okay. So you're talking about everybody buying that. Is there anybody that was even remotely conservative enough to talk to Glencore about any of these assets? 
if you look at balance sheet strength of companies in the mining space right now, I think the only one that you can look at that has the, I guess you could say, the conservative balance sheet and the size to kind of take on maybe something Glencore has is BHP Billiton. They have the lowest debt-to-capital ratio. Taylor, I kind of knew he was going to go there, did you? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he kind of talked about this company a couple yeah. times. Um, it, they have a debt-to-capital of about 32%, which is much more conservative than some of the other players like Vale or Rio Tinto or anybody like that. So they have that ability. And uh, one thing that they did also mention is uh, Glencore is actually looking to do a whole lot of streaming deals. They have a copper mine and they're pulling out some gold with it. They want to sell it to the streamer just as a way of raising equity. And Glencore is looking to do about $1.5 billion in these streaming deals. And one company that could obviously be a big uh, winner in that is Silver Wheaton. Yeah, but they've currently they've spent all the money they plan on spending for the next couple of years, but obviously. If an opportunity if like this arises, it, right, right. Yeah. If an opportunity like this arises, um, it might be tough to pass up because talk, they yeah. do have a pretty, pretty secure balance sheet because they aren't a miner, so they haven't they haven't been crushed by uh, having to go out there and continue to spend to keep mines open or to continue expanding mines. They just provide a lump sum and then a per ounce uh, fee, and that's pretty much all they're on the hook for. Now, Taylor, I know you're uh, the Fool's Canada guy, but can you shed us any light into uh, uh, Glencore's? They came out and said, you know, their stock's down 73%, and you got this headline here. Um, they say their business is robust, and they said this two days ago. Yeah. Are they delusional? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> the market certainly seems to think they are. And if you look at miners across the board, I would, I would assume that, yes. Robust is not, not the word it's choice not I would make. Quite, <laughs> appropriate in terms of where the mining industry is right now. I don't know of one mining material that's price isn't near a 52-week, yeah. multi-year Multi-year, low. yeah. Um, and so they keep talking about the midterm and the long-term looking bright, but there's that catch-all phrase, the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain yeah. solvent. And um, the midterm to long-term, depending on how long-term this company is thinking down the road, they might not have five to ten years to wait right. for this to pick back up. I mean, they have $50 billion in debt, and they only have $3 billion in cash. And I can't imagine they're free cash flow positive right now. Well, on the operating side, they're making about $11 billion in cash from operations. Um, but it's a mining company, so they have tons of capex they need that they yeah. need. And they just cut the dividends, so maybe that'll help a little bit. But a lot of this debt's due in the next five years. So that's, if that's yeah. their medium term, they better hope things turn around pretty quickly. Got it. The one thing that I do find interesting about Glencore being in, in Those as much crazy trouble Swiss, as they are, right? well, it's the fact of how big they are. If you look at it from a revenue standpoint, Glencore's revenue is greater than the next four giant miners combined. So if you were to take BHP's, Rio's, Vale's, Freeport McNoran, and even Anglo-American – all of them combined don't make as much revenue as Glencore. So that's how big of a company we're talking about here. And to see them in trouble is quite fascinating. So if they do collapse, maybe you see the market turn around like that. Really fast. The, the tree that dies in the forest. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, if their mines have to shut down or they get sold at basement level prices, companies can buy them up and not feel burdened by right. the need to re- have a have an instant return. They can let those assets kind of idle for a little bit if they can buy these for pennies on the dollar. So maybe that's the reversal that this market needs. Rather than a bank like we saw collapse in 2008, 
if this isn't too big to fail, this could be the necessary failure to turn right. around the mining industry because companies are, are slow to trim their own capex because they don't want to lose market share. But if you see the giant in the industry, we need a little creative destruction here. Yeah, That's why what we not? Need. <laughs> yeah, survival of the fittest and the biggest. If it fails, there's a lot of room to grow for other companies, and you could see a lot of supply erased just from one company falling off the map. So uh, Glencore isn't the only uh, the giant metals company making moves right now. Um, a headline hit the the wires the other day that I never thought I would really see, but Alcoa is splitting in two. Yeah. Um, wh- why? <laughs> well, they're basically pulling is it the uh, mining in the yeah. They're pulling a ConocoPhillips or, or name an energy producer that's cut its upstream away from its downstream. Um, they're going to have Alcoa as the upstream, the the mining, the bauxite miner, the aluminum smelter, and the aluminum smelter, and then they're going to have the downstream company to be named in the future. Um, personally, I thought I would think that they would have a name for it when they announced this because now the pressure's on. Now it's just with spinoff a, a co, cool isn't name. it? Yeah, so spin co. <laughs> we talked about this on Market Foolery on Monday, and we had some readers submit some ideas, and one guy just said they should call it aluminium. Just, just love the, it, aluminium. The, the, the yeah. word for aluminum that everyone else pronounces, other right. than us here in the United States. Um, personally, if I was a shareholder, I would want the downstream stock. Uh, it's the company so that was... that's selling the rolled products to the aerospace industry, the automotive industry, the packaging industry, and um, aerospace and automotive sectors are going to so drive the, the growth. And that was my question. Um, so obviously the the value creation that's mm-hmm. going to happen is the downstream stuff that you were just talking about. That'll obviously be awarded a higher multiple by You would investors. imagine, yeah. 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 Um, should they have done this three or four years ago? <laughs> well, I guess uh, I haven't heard about it, but apparently investors were pushing for it for several years, and um, now they don't have a leg to stand on. So now they're doing it, or well, I mean, the company wasn't doing terribly, so I don't right. think this was a forced well, yeah, move. That's I, I just think it's, like, a, I think it's yeah. a wise move, and you see Klaus Kleinfeld, the CEO, going to the downstream business. So um, whether, he wants it, and so do you. Well, yeah, whether or not he thinks that that's the best business to go to, or he just thinks that because he's the CEO, he needs to be with this business more. Um, Personally, I think he's yeah. making the right move. Uh, you saw Pete Miller go with D now when they spun off. Um, so, and, and people thought that that might be the better side of that business. Um, and, and so, I think that shareholders should certainly look if they're looking for a long-term growth stock. I think that that could be it. If you're a trader, I think you stick with Alcoa because that's definitely more beholden to the price of commodities. Got it. What were you going to add, Tyler? Well, I was going to mention one of the things you were saying. Why didn't they do it sooner? And they've actually made a couple deals within the past couple of years or so that have actually made this much more possible. Uh, You know, that one. So it would have been harder. Right. So that one, they made a $1.3 billion acquisition of RTI International Metals, which is mostly a defense supply contractor, aerospace contractor. And they kind of built them. Uh, you know, with a couple of bolt-on acquisitions into aluminum as well as titanium, it gives them those higher-value products that would allow almost give that that spin-off side of the business that a little bit more scale, and yeah. it'll make them that much more competitive. Without those deals, I think making this sort of split of the company would have been that much more difficult. Yeah, it would have been kind of like a, a good luck thing. See you later. Yeah. And yeah. they've sold or or shuttered thirty percent of their smelting capacity. Oh wow! Over just the past you know five to six years. Um, and you look at China get preparing to make moves to create the largest miner of alumina in the yeah. world. Um, so they're going to overtake Rusal, I believe is the name of the Russian company. And Alcoa was number two. If that, if those steps are taken in China, 
Alcoa will be number three, but that could be good for the for the aluminum industry because it could remove some competition as you see a bigger player emerge in China. That'll give them some scale to maybe shut some underperforming plants that they just kept open to uh, to to drown the market. Cool. Before we move on, I wanted to point our listeners to our newly designed focus.fool.com. There you'll discover a special offer to join the Motley Fool Stock Advisor newsletter for all industry-focused listeners. All Loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And moving on, deals don't look as great as they did a few months ago. Um, Williams Company is up to some shenanigans. Tyler, what do we got? So, um, Williams Companies, I believe back in June, uh, announced that somebody was trying to buy them for, I believe it was $48 billion at the time. Uh, Energy Transfer was the company that announced it. Yeah, it's us. We want we so want these guys. Williams wasn't making it up. <laughs> no, they weren't making it up. Energy Transfer came out. I have a date to the prom, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, they said, we've been working on this for months. We gave, you, got, we gave them a bid about $48 billion. We think it's more than fair. And if you looked at the share price of Williams Companies at the time in comparison to what it was, I believe the offering was about $64 a share. It was a very generous offer. And, and, and Williams basically came out and says, we think – we're worth more. Uh, we're more valuable than that, and you know, based on our giant backlog of projects, you know, we think we can get a better deal. So it started again <laughs> in negotiations uh, with several other companies. Uh, some of the names that were linked to them were Kinder Morgan and um, and Spectra Energy. And the best bid they could get this time around was $32.9 billion. Womp, womp, womp. So, um, yeah, I'm looking at a chart here. It's like... They held out for more, and it did not pan out. I, I th- at the time, if you looked back in May, you don't uh, think they were crazy then? Maybe not crazy. Maybe slightly um, greedy. Slightly greedy, a little, <laughs> and maybe right around May, we started to see this small rebound in oil prices. You know, we back in I think it was like March or February, yeah, we saw the bottom. We're, back was, up, we're hitting sixty. Yeah, a we were of down times. in the forties yeah. back in March and April, and then you know, come I'm sorry, in February, March, we were in the forties, and then. Come May, we were looking at 60 again, and everybody's, okay, I think we've kind of gotten past this. Rational minds have won. (laughs) And uh, rationality did not hold sway. And so we've seen this big decline, and I think that went to show Williams that this might get a little bit tougher. And I think – and this is me just speculating more than anything else. I think the biggest speculation for them was – they started to realize that financing is going to get a little bit more difficult now that oil prices are cheap and you know banks and financiers aren't going to be throwing you know junk rated bonds just 2% 3% bonds anywhere they want and so by you know with a slightly higher debt capital that's going to come you know bringing on that scale of energy transfer is going to allow them to actually build out that massive project portfolio i believe it's like 35 billion dollars it's more than what is actually the equity in the company right now so you know with that that's my speculation as to why they're trying to get teamed up with with bigger scale now i don't know a lot a whole lot about both these companies a whole lot but they're more natural gas and liquids based Mm -hmm. so um oil prices aren't I mean, it does influence the price of natural gas a little bit, but not too detrimental. But I think it's long term. I think natural gas pipelines are a better play than oil pipelines. Yeah. Um, and the access that Williams provides to New England, um, which 
between them and Spectra, that's really the only two companies that I can think of that really provide natural gas to the Northeast. Um, and so that market is is uh, it, it needs more. And so those thirty five billion dollars of projects could find their way into the business pretty easily. I know Spectra also has plans for thirty billion dollars of projects since two thousand twelve. There's a Bond movie coming out years. about Spectra, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> the pipeline of Bond. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry to interrupt there. It's again. okay. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally can't wait to see Daniel Craig mess up Spectra Energy. Um, <laughs> real quick before we move on, um, what do you guys think of a Halliburton Baker Hughes having to divest more just to get approval for their their lauded deal? Now, were they told they needed to invest it, or is just as a preemptive strike? Because it's it, a preemptive. It, it, I got my read on it was it was preemptive, but yeah. they don't do things for the fun of it. No, like, no, I yeah. agree. <laughs> uh, and a lot of the assets are international, so they're keeping. They're still keeping yeah. uh, a, a stranglehold on the North American market. They're selling uh, sand business in Australia and a few um, other Asian business lines. I know Baker Hughes, I think, is selling a couple, trying to sell a couple North American businesses, but for the most part, this new segment of businesses looks to be predominantly international, um, which I would imagine they wanted to grow internationally because more revenue than now right. comes from Right, U.S. is mature. This so that's and the other their thing. business, yeah. but um, maybe they maybe they just think that the future, a safer future, is with North America just based on politics and financing and. Um, the the natural gas and oil that's provable and ready to come out of the ground. Yeah, because one of the reasons shale, the shale revolution happened here, technological advances aside, is our political stability and just the the land right laws and exactly. all the advantages. It's holding okay. back most of Europe. Um, Infrastructure is holding back most of Asia and South America. So we're we're primed at the pump and ready to go yeah. for the next couple decades. Whereas uh, pipelines are needed in Argentina and China to get their oil and natural gas out of the ground. Um, I think Kinder Morgan might have more pipeline than all of China combined. So, Unbelievable! Uh, yeah, just just for some scale. So uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll take. I guess I'll take the slightly bearish outlook on Harry. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you how more. surprised you were. Um, I'm not hugely surprised. Uh, one of the things that I've looked at this, and I can understand the benefits of the North American market. But if we look at the oil services industry, having that diversity across all of you know every geographical market. It does tend, you know, have its benefits. If you look at somebody yeah. like Slumberger, mm-hmm. it has benefited immensely from a more diversified geographical exposure. And um, it, this, all of these assets they're shedding for Halliburton and Baker Hughes, which were much more levered to the North American market in the first place, it makes them even more so. And as we've seen in the U.S., we are much more of a boom and bust. Yes, there's an immense amount of opportunity to grow here. We're cowboys. Same. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> we have that cowboy boom Wild and bust, bust mentality, and it, it can you know wreak havoc a lot more uh, down the road. So that's the one thing that makes me nervous about some of these deals. And if I have just one more minute, I know we're this you is guys a long segment, me. but um, <laughs> we're sorry, if, folks. If you look at what's happening, maybe these forced asset sales are for, these companies don't really want to shrink, but maybe they need to a little bit. So this could force them to really examine their books a little bit harder than they might want right. to. Sell off some assets that are a little bit more questionable that you would hang on to if things were rolling Sure, cash well. flow is the name of the and, game. And Yeah, and yeah. It, 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 I don't think it's going to hurt them to raise another $5 billion in cash at a time where cash might really be yeah. one of the more important factors in the oil and gas business. Uh, so our final story uh, It's is... a podcast. We can go for a little couple extra minutes. <laughs> yeah, There's know, no hard line. There's no, <laughs> no producer our... knocking on the door and say, stop talking, guys. The average American's commute is yes. exactly 20 <laughs> minutes, and we try to keep it at that. 
Um, Royal Dutch Shell's thrown in the towel on uh, Arctic drilling uh, to the uh, uh, the again? joy of the environmentalists. Yeah, is that again? <laughs> Um, is this the straw that broke the camel's back? Like, what's going on here? Oh, boy. Um, when it comes to Shell and the Arctic, they have... Uh, they just can't dance. Like, what's... <laughs> I, I just... I don't know. It always seemed like Don Quixote out there trying to, yeah. you know, slay the yeah. windmills. They just kept on going at it saying, this is going to happen. It's going to be profitable. And we're going to find a ton of oil. And, you know, everybody else was like, you know, this isn't looking that great. Alaskan tax code is kind of rough for us wait, in terms wait. of the regulatory oh, okay. environment. Yeah. Um, it's maybe not as promising as some had thought, and then you've got to deal with a harsh environment that just makes things that much more costly. Right. And so, after spending about seven billion dollars in the Chukchi Sea, wait, wait, hold on. Drilling in the Arctic is more difficult than drilling in the Texas desert. Who would have thought? <laughs> oh my gosh! Who would have thought? Um, not going to sweat as much, but well, <laughs> something else will happen. <laughs> Extremities will freeze up. <laughs> yeah. So Shell spent about seven billion dollars on this so far, um, and they are. So that's And they're going to take like, a four point two billion dollar write down oh in uh, probably next quarter or over the next couple of quarters to kind of accommodate for that, but. Uh, I think everybody kind of saw the writing on the wall on this one. It takes a very, very high oil price to justify what they're doing up there, and it just isn't there right now. Um, especially now, could they with, come back four they years? still have the leases. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Four years, it's, they can go back. All right. They can go back. I mean, if, if oil were to all of a sudden shoot up to $140 and stay there for a while, then you know maybe finding something in the Arctic could be lucrative. But at prices like this today and looking at the portfolio of things that they have going on right now, you know they have the merger with BG Group. Um, they're really levering hard to LNG and uh, offshore, especially in Brazil. These are going to be their two biggest drivers of value. Not exactly cheap adventures either. No, not it's, exactly. That's all offshore, yeah, so, exactly. yeah. But at the same time, you know, LNG's mostly under long-term contracts, so that's going to, you know, kind of keep things from being swayed by commodity prices too, too much. But, you know, with a free cash flow, uh, what they've said is we want all of our projects to return free cash flow at $70 oil. Not the highest level, but a pretty reasonable amount. And at that level, they just Still can't justify Arctic anymore. Got it. Well, they're the only company doing it, so why rush? I don't yeah. understand what the big hurry was because no one else is dragging Competition a rig is not fierce up there. From Seattle to the Chukchi Sea. They got to beat Putin, Taylor. I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess <laughs> Russia is trying to drill in the Arctic, but in their own Arctic, not yeah. our Arctic. If they yeah. tried that, all hell might break loose. Right. So they were the only company going for it. Take your time. Yeah. You're in no rush. It's not like we're in a supply shortage or anything like that. Cool. Maybe you hang on to it for the next couple of years and do your due diligence a little bit better because they didn't find any oil and they expected to find billions of barrels. Yeah. Got it. So before we sign off, did you guys buy all your uh, Pop-Tarts at Walmart before the hurricane hits? <laughs> <laughs> hurricane Joaquin. Actually, Joaquin's I, coming. <laughs> I, I've got to really – if people love sensationalist media, they have to love <laughs> – the Weather Channel. The Weather Channel. Have you been to their website lately? They can una- <laughs> it's nothing to do with weather. They can unabashedly demonize what's on the on the uh, on the news. You know, with more regular news, you can't be that sensationalist when it comes to you know maybe talking about crime or stuff like that. But when it comes to the weather, I mean, a, a hurricane is like 
Darth Vader and the bad guy from Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom combined. It's just like that evil. yeah! It's just Coming absolutely hilarious, and it, it just gets you going every time. You're like, oh, man, this is beautiful. Good Lord. Hopefully it doesn't wreak too much havoc. I expect a lot of rain, and you, you must like your Pop-Tarts. Well, you know, I cold. saw this special one time about Walmart and the supercomputers they used to do inventory management. And they had they went to a Walmart and the supercomputer did all this analysis for Walmart's down in uh, Florida during a hurricane. And people are statistically twenty six percent more likely to buy strawberry pop tarts during a hurricane than any other time. Go figure. Strawberry pop tarts. I'm a blueberry or cinnamon guy myself. I, I'm a cinnamon man, so yeah. I don't know what else to say. Well, if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email Pop-Tarts. us at industryfocus at fool dot com. We really want to hear your favorite Pop-Tarts. Also, maybe a question about oil stocks would be fine, too. Uh, again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Tyler Crow and Taylor Muckerman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! <laughs>